You know how great your house looks and smells when it's just been cleaned? So fresh. And somehow, a clean house makes your head feel fresher too. With a housekeeper from Care, you can reset your house and your head as often as you like for less than you think. Find a great housekeeper, set a schedule that works for you, and check cleaning off your to-do list so you can put your mind to other, more fun things. Get the housekeeping help you need at care.com. Hello, everyone. Um, welcome to Cafe Rainy Days. That's the channel name, Blanche, if you didn't know. Um, so welcome to Cafe Rainy Days. Our guest today is uh, Blanche Sherban. Um, she's a yoga teacher and she's a fine art painter. Um, and um, I'm also going to give you some personal insight. Um, uh, she's also my teacher. She's also, she taught me at my uh, yoga teacher training. So hi, Blanche. Hi, yes, thank you for inviting me. Oh, you're most welcome. It's, it's a privilege. It's a privilege to have you have, have my first teacher, <laughs> yoga teacher on, on uh, Cafe Rene Days. Okay, so I'm going to straight away begin um, by asking you questions. But just a tiny bit of introduction before we begin is that uh, uh, Blanche uh, comes from, uh, has been, is born and brought up in Romania. And she started meditating, uh, maybe not meditating, but definitely doing practices, yoga practices with her dad. Um, and how did that come about um, in, in communist <laughs> uh, Romania, Blanche? And, and if, if the authorities found out, wouldn't that have been a big problem for your dad and you? Or how, 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 tell us the story. How did you begin? And how, what was life like uh, when you were a child in Romania? Um, so... If probably some some of your um, um, audience has experience also with um, communist uh, regimes, um, either maybe some personal or um, from reading or um, right from media, um, and definitely in in a you know in a communist regime. Um, spirituality is not accepted. So in our effort to control and uh, I think brainwash the population, um, there is a very narrow accepted doctrine that doesn't allow for any divergence. Um, however, um, I, think, I think in Romania, the, the effect of this um, uh, policy um, of um, um, you know eliminating religion had the opposite effect. So he ended up with most of the people becoming actually extremely religious, mm. and uh, um, you know the Christianity was seen. So the population is very homogeneous, and over ninety percent are uh, Orthodox Christian. Um, they. Um, they use religion as a, as a quiet form of resistance. Mm. So people would go to church and um, practice the rituals and fast and, you know, celebrate all the, all the um, dates, you know, in the, in the religious calendar. So, so, um, so I, I grew up like that. However, um, other religions were, um, 
while they were tolerated, I would say, right? Like just like Christianity. So it was like kind of the under layer of the social life. They were not, um, they were not um, openly discussed. So I didn't have a lot of um, exposure to other religion. Like it just, mm. right? So yoga was also seen as a, maybe a, a different kind of religion rather than being seen as a, non-sectarian spiritual practice. Um, so there were no classes, of course, right? I, I was born in the <laughs> 70s, no classes, but not only that, no books, no publications, nothing, right? Yes, um, they were allowed in, were they? I mean, there were books, but they were just not allowed into Romania. Um, I think there were some books, but there the were, I think, mostly tolerated, but there were no actively published so um i know that you know there is this uh, romanian uh, scholar uh, mircea eliade who actually wrote his uh, phd thesis on yoga you know he came and he lived in um, uh, india and uh, had a, a teacher there and um he considered seriously giving up on his academic life to dedicate himself to yoga, but you know, life took a different turn. Uh-huh. Right? We all are here for some reason and we have to follow the path. So, so obviously, like there were some writing in Romania on yoga, but like they were not actively promoted, right? Mm-hmm. So you know about it. I don't remember hearing about it until mm-hmm. My father brought from work like this booklet um, on um, yoga. So we had a number of practices. It was a hand type, you know, on a typewriter. Mm. Um, and uh, my guess is somebody translated it and ty- typed like multiple copies. Like some of the pages were quite faded and oh included God. things like um, um, asanas, some asanas. Uh, like cobra and shoulder stand and um, um, half fish and um, you know uh, the triangle mm. and uh, headstand. And then, but I remember they also included things like uh, Shambhavi mudra. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there was a, a you know, a passage on diet and fasting. There was a long passage on relaxation. Uh, There were um, some pranayama practices, um, you know, respiration exercises. Mm. That's very basic. But my father was interested in it. It Um, seemed for all the eight limbs almost. It seemed hmm? to cover all all eight. Hmm. However, Hmm. he had nothing nothing when it came to uh, uh, meditation. So the, I don't even remember. I could also just be so, you know, I saw asleep at the time that I didn't notice, but definitely there was no passage of meditation. So it was like a little, you know, like a regular A4 page, hmm. you know, yeah. book class. Um, yeah. yeah, they had no, nothing on meditation so i didn't i didn't know anything about it so my father would do would do asanas and we would do some of those practices and 
um, I would I would join him. I mean, it was just a fun thing to do. We are father, you yeah. know. I mean, he was interested, and so we would just we just practice that. We would every day in the in the evening, you know, before dinner, and and um, then it got maybe less frequent. But every now and then, I would still do them. Like it was kind of part of you know, daily life, like, you know, you need to stretch, so you do some asanas, and I remember, like, those deep breath exercises, like, from that book, it said that, like, practicing, you know, the three-part yogic breath, Mm. um, doing 10 of those uh, full breaths every day would um, be a great way to manage physical and mental problems, Mm. and I remember, like, consciously like making sure that I do at least 10 of those full bras. I don't right. yeah if you could teach that you could teach your audience so <laughs> yeah <laughs> so anyway um I kept doing them I remember I would babysit right so middle school high school I would go to babysit the uh, kids and I would do yoga with them and that was oh. so excited like so you were you were a little girl as well. <laughs> yeah, it's, I tell you, like, there is something um, for all of us. So I would come in and, and children, like, I remember, like, would wait for me at the door and they would go, we do gymnastics, we do gymnastics. <laughs> oh. The parents were, you know, wondering what you're doing, but they're happy that, like, the kids are so happy to see me. But it's interesting how open they are to those practices, right? So definitely I could tell that something was happening. It felt good. I didn't think much about it, but um, I could say that even before, so so I, I got this exposure to yoga around the age of nine, but even before that, like I could now clearly recognize that I, I knew about the witness state. Like I remember over and over in my life, like going through, you know, two episodes and thinking, I'm expected to be surprised, you know, like I'm observing this, this is what's happening. And now I'm supposed to be surprised. So let's be surprised. And I'm supposed to, to be happy. And okay, now we are going to be happy. This is what's expected, you know. Um, mm. In the same time, like everybody will react one way and I would be like, well, that's no reason to do this. Like, that was very clear, I think, um, that all the time. And interesting with, with those yoga practices that continue, right? Like we didn't have a teacher, so we had no advice. I didn't go by. But I remember when I was in high school, one day my father came in and um, um, I mean, I was in, sitting in the kitchen and um, he asked me, he asked me if I hear sounds. And I said, yes, I, I do hear sounds. You Isn't know, like I knew what he meant. Like he said, you, you, you hear sounds in your head, you know, like in your body. And I said, yeah, I hear sounds. He said, you know, I'm kind of worried. I'm thinking to go to the doctor. And I said, you know, I hear them too. Like I can hear, I can hear this continuous sound, what you would call the nada sound. And I said, I don't think we should worry about it. And also like we would hear like sounds, I think now I know that was like the unstruck sounds. 
So they sound at the beginning. So when the heart chakra opens, like they sound like bells or gongs. And then, at, you know, when in a more refined level, but you could still hear them above level, like at other refined levels, they sound kind of like a flute sound, mm. like a uh, or even farther than that. So, mm. so my father ended up going to the doctor. And of course, the doctor didn't find any problem. They said, maybe you have tetanus, you know, tetanus in the yeah. ear. And it's like, no, my hearing is fine, you yes. know. Um, yeah, so I, I could also say that like the sound becomes more persistent, like if you skip your meditation oh. <laughs> and it got, I had experiences. Yes. When my kids are little, sometimes I didn't have time to meditate or, you know, I would postpone the meditation, uh, would get so persistent that it was hard to hear anything else. Like it's oh. almost like somebody says. Yeah, and actually I had also, um, there would be experiences of vision, like the vision would get clouded and that would go away with meditation. So like uh, another way to kind of say, hey, it was an remember exactly, <laughs> it's time for you to. Oh, wow. Yes. Yeah. yeah, so then, then in high school, like, yeah, so I think also as a result of the practice, also see clarify, they become clear that there was a inner teacher so mm -hmm. as we saw I told you like we didn't have anybody to talk with no so there was a, a figure that started to show up in meditation so I recognized it as my teacher I never heard about such a thing mm. until I remember in high school um you know we we took this I mean um philosophy class and we read uh, Plato uh -huh. you know dialogues um, and um, Socrates talks about his diamond right so Socrates says that he has a inner voice who advises him and I remember the commentary in the class being very dismissive and uh, more treating it as maybe like a mental problem for Socrates like obviously he was quite a quirky figure oh, okay and uh, and I remember thinking well actually I know exactly what he talks about because I have one too like you know mm. this thing that I I you know I thought actually we all have it like maybe you just didn't realize mm. um so, but I knew enough at that point, like not to make, I, I had enough times when I make commentaries that were not taken well or just not understood. So I knew yeah. that. You know. So you, at, by that stage, you weren't thinking, oh, everybody has this inner diamond. By that oh, stage, you that. Discern, that discernment was there that you, you get it, but that doesn't mean somebody else is, has that as well. I, I thought more like it's there available for all of us. I didn't think that it's only one figure. I think it's it's more complicated. Um, mm. So I thought that we all have access to our diamond, you know, right. it's like as in a teacher for each of us. But uh, yeah, I didn't think that for some of us, we don't recognize the same way, mm. you know. 
maybe other people have you know other things happening that I'm not mm-hmm. aware of so and just to quickly interject Blanche just a very uh, finer point from an AYP point of view our uh, the school that we trained in um, from an AYP point of view do you think that diamond is the same thing as the inner guru that Yogani talks about yeah absolutely yeah. Right. is the inner guru um, actually in you know more recent times i i study more uh, vadra yoga so tibetan yoga um the diamond path and there is a clear how should i put there is a clear demarcation that when you meet your inner guru it's more like when you recognize because then you realize that it's like it's the present that is there all the time it's just you know it's like if somebody is in a corner of the room and you just didn't notice it Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it's like the the practice goes at another level. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Interesting. I mean, especially I find them um, interesting because I didn't know anything about it. Like I didn't, mm-hmm. I didn't have somebody pointing, you know, saying, "Hey, pay attention." You know, if this happens, you're supposed to do this other thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that's uh, that's the value of a good teacher that it could help you go a lot faster on a path, you know. Um, and in this um, regard, like AYP really points to the way in a very mm-hmm. clear, systematic fashion, and I find that very helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, right, and then and then how did how did that progress? So in school, you were doing these practices. Um, so um, when I when I got to college, so the, the communist regimes, I always been very interested in in this question of who we are, you know, what we are. Um, I remember, and I cannot tell you um, where I found, but I was like quite obsessed with with um, like Tatuamasi, like I knew. <laughs> You know, that phrase, I don't know where I got it, but like I remember that that was like something that like it was in my mind. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, I, I would like try to figure out like what's happening. I, I had this uh, experience of like being more inside. I don't know, you know, I was curious about mm-hmm. exploration, but I think a lot of, a lot of us are, and especially at the right in uh, teenage years, we are very open to to exploring the possibilities and trying to learn who we are. However, in a communist country where you have to keep people in line, right? Uh, mm. uh, psychology was not a, a promoted field and in fact the communist regime in Romania actually closed the psychology department um, yeah in um, 1977 because they did some they used as a pretext the fact that um, uh, some of the professors started the research on transcendental meditation Uh and that was the reason to shut it down but of course like if you know, if you study psychology, like there are so many things that um, would make it um, a, a difficult way to be manipulated and to be controlled, right? Like you can see through a lot of those layers. So, um, 
so when I was in high school, um, I did think about psychology, but it wasn't an option. And then uh, I started studying art, actually. I started taking uh, art classes at the college when I was still in high school. Um, um, and the psychology department came back. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yes, and, um, and then I realized, you know, life circumstances, I had to make a living and I couldn't uh, support myself with art. So um, I ended up actually um, um, quitting art after three years of college and uh, doing um, psychology for uh, four years. I got a license in psychology. And during the, this time, I found out about a course of yoga. So I think I was in the second year Somebody told me, oh, you know, there is a, a course, a yoga course open for students. And I thought, well, I do psychology, you know, I do yoga. I've been doing yoga for a long time. I, I, I'm going to go to this course. So I, mm. I remember the first, I missed the first class. I didn't know about it. So I went to, to the second. And that's something that it's interesting to notice, um, that a lot of time when those opportunities come, they come also with obstacles, you know? Mm. Like you hear from students that I tried to see this teacher and he didn't want to take me, or I tried to take this class and there were no more spaces, or right. I tried to do this practice and it was just really hard. Actually, mm. that's a good sign that probably that's, that's something that might be beneficial. Right. Like, saying like if it doesn't work and it doesn't work right you try to work with this teacher and he never has time and you get no instructions by all means right move on yeah. in the same time if you find some you know difficulty don't quit right away be willing to persist mm -hmm. actually mm -hmm. persistence is one of the keys of um, you know getting anywhere so you want to have faith you want to respect actually the ethical principles, you want to have a practice and you want to be persistent. Mm. So I went to this course, um, was let taught me, by us. Mm -hmm. Let me just stop you there. So by this time, uh, it wasn't a communist country anymore. How come yoga, there was a yoga class available? So, so the communist uh, regime in Romania fell in 89. Mm -hmm. And uh, it took me another two years to, to uh, start psychology. Right, yeah. So this was a course um, right in, um, um, it must have been 92, in right. 92. Uh, okay. And it turns out actually there was a kind of underground spiritual movement in yoga and yes. this group has been actually persecuted, but I wasn't familiar with any mm. of that. Like, right. right. For me, it was simply like going to, actually it was a gym, like go to a gym and this uh, medical student, um, you know, um, Gabriela was teaching this course on Saturday morning. So it would be about two hours on Saturday mornings. We would do asanas. And um, 
and it went like that. And I remember after you know a couple of months already, like I was thinking, whoa, like it's so much more here than I realized. Like now I could say that like I had like clear perception of the subtle body. Ooh. I remember clearly that like after after asanas, I had to kind of ground, like I would I would go so intense into asanas that like I had to make almost like a like a willful um grounding, I don't know how to call it, like I had to pull myself together to be able to walk. Like almost like yourself and ground yourself. It was so much more going on that walking wasn't just like an automatic thing. Like it was something that I had to focus on. Mm. You know, like it was really intense. And I became aware, I started to become aware of like chakras and energies. I was asking very little questions, but I was obviously like really into the class. I would take notes and I started practicing at home. I would practice like two hours of asanas you know every day yeah and I was working so that meant sometimes waking up at you know four in the morning to do two hours of asana and get ready for work and work in those two hours you're very seriously fitting in those two hours and being very regular with it I would do every day two hours so like if I knew that I had a really busy day so my day was I would work in the morning right and I had I tried to sign for all the classes in the afternoon and I had times when I also had to work at night, you know, oh. I had to support myself. So the only available time was in the morning. And then I had days when I could go to classes. I discovered that this group was having other classes, you right. know, so I would go maybe another day a week to classes. So then I could do my two hours. Mm. You know, so, but I got, I started to do regular, you know, two hour asanas. Um, but, but Gabrielle okay. wasn't teaching you anything other than asanas. And was she, okay. was she? So this is, it just started. This is like the first three months. So right. just imagine that you start to take, to take a yoga class, right? This, yeah. You know, like you don't know that much. I mean, I knew, I don't know, five, ten poses. And she teaches us like 20 poses. Um, She's very thorough. She also, she was focused like on medical benefits and, you know, some visualization and definitely like she was open to the subtle body. But I remember maybe after a month, she, she, she said something like, this would, would be a lot more beneficial if you also have a, a practice at home, you know, mm. like you should try to practice at home every day, mm. you know. And that's also, I think, a lesson for all of us that actually we get teachings, you know, mm. but we need to pay attention. Mm. I remember after that, like going home and trying to remember, like, you know, the sequence of asanas. Like she wasn't teaching all the time the same, but like I was trying to practice like we were doing in class, right? So yeah. that's interesting. So anyway, by spring, right, by spring, uh, she starts to give us like concentration exercises, like, you know, you are supposed to look at, um, at aspirin, like you take aspirin and look at it and then close your eyes and try to visualize it. Like a tratata, 
Kata kata practice. Katanga. Yeah. yeah. So, but not not with the candle, right? Like with something, but also visualization. So that was very interesting. I remember um, um, people asking in class, well, what are we supposed to do? Because like this thing moves around or like change the shape or like I can see all those other things behind it. Mm -hmm. I I don't see anything behind it. Like I don't even know that there is a behind. I only see this aspirin. Mm -hmm. Like I don't know what you're talking about. Like, you know, very interesting. So definitely I could tell that I think all those other years of practice has helped, but also I noticed that you know there was a difference there. And then we had we had a, a different level of concentration. She was preparing us for mantra meditation, which I didn't know, right? For like I was so asleep. Like that's the funny part. Yeah. I still I have no memory of hearing about meditation. So now I'm hanging out with this group. Some yes. of those people are really like doing yoga probably for three years or more since the right of communist fall. Yeah. And I have no memory of hearing the word meditation. Like not, yes. I, but actually, yeah, it's always, actually I have another funny story about like not knowing about meditation. I remember in grade school taking um, English classes. Right. And we were supposed to pick up an English name you know, right. and guess what English name I came with right away. My English name was Diana, but spelled with a Y. Oh, okay. Okay. And, and tell us the significance. Yes, like I never thought, I thought maybe it's like a Greek goddess, but like, I'm really, I'm not into hunting or anything like. Yeah. <laughs> <I'm very wild>. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but so it just, yeah. Just, that was the name. That was yeah. my name. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, so so the getting back to the college yoga mm -hmm. course, I mm -hmm. had to take this uh, concentration exercise where she put this uh, piece of music on a loop, um, mm -hmm. and uh, we are supposed to just sit, you know, cross-legged and try to pay attention to the music. Mm -hmm. So as I sat there right away, like. I started to, I lost track of my body. I lost track of like what you call myself. I started to feel that like I'm going like clockwise in those big loops. Like I'm going up and up and up and up. And then there was like this unbelievable light and like a sense of the divine. And it was a really intense experience. I, you still feel it, don't you? Oh, yeah. If I think about it, like usually I, so I have to say, I don't talk about it. Yeah. So I didn't talk about it at all for 10 years. But so I could say that like, right, like right away, that's like, right, uh, experience of somebody. And I, I wasn't, I didn't know what that was, but I was like, whoa, what is this? Like the yeah. sense of a reality, like not a sense, you know, like, I could imagine blue horses running on a beach, right? Like I could see them in my mind. Well, that's an imagination. This mm. didn't feel like that. So I must have made a real face. And, and, and you know, I mean, I don't know whether the audiences can, can tell, but your face changed there. You know, you can, it, yeah, yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, because it's right, I'm uh, connecting with that. And, well, and that's the state.
stays, isn't it? Because it's been so many years and it's just there. Actually, what I would say is more like there is a clear light, this shines in all of us and Mm. it could shine through if we are willing to let it, Mm. you know, go through. Like if we are willing to become transparent to it, it's in Mm. all of us and it shines there all the time. Like it's not, you get more of a sense. I think we practice that it's not like a separate experience. It's like, you know, where would it go? Yeah, (laughs) because that's, that's, I mean, you know, for people who haven't experienced it, it's something that happens. But for you, it's reality, isn't it? It, 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 You can't, you can't really, it's, you're not remembering it. It is, it is there, isn't it? it But I would say also, like, I think it's for all of us. Like, I, I didn't think, I didn't expect it. I didn't know what it was. Mm. And uh, in the same time, I had many years of practice. So I think without having like expectations, I just thought this is interesting. I'm learning about myself. Something is going on. I don't know what it is, but I'm going to go, you know. So I think we all have, we all have those impulses. We all have like those quiet advices that tell us, you know, pay attention here, be kind here, you know, we are supposed to do this thing. It's just about becoming more and more aware about what's happening. And be open to it. Be open to it. Like try, you know, trying to be like truthful to ourselves. Like if it's important for us, we should do it, you Mm. know. Um, Mm. And that's not selfish. I mean, I, I see that more that, you know, we are all part of a fabric, right? Mm. We are all part of a fabric. And like, if you look at a fabric, right, it's like, it looks like a fabric and we are like threads, but you don't see any threads. It's just like all fabric, but mm. we all fabric. So any, anybody who is willing to put any work, right? It's gonna change the fabric. Mm. It's gonna change all things. And it starts with like a, a small thing. Mm. Right. Um, anyway, so I didn't. I didn't talk. I remember my my teacher. Like you know, people ask if we want to share the, what happened, and you know, people talk, and then she she asked me like personally, and you know, it was like like 30, 40 people class, and and I was like, I cannot talk. Like I just shook my head, and I was so stunned. Mm. And then, um, and I. Yeah, and then um, maybe it was a couple of weeks later, a month later, we got a mantra. So it's uh, uh, a sound mantra, the same way we do in advanced yoga practices. Um, I realized later that she gave different mantras for different people. Um, I have some, you know, some um speculations or why she did not mm-hmm. um, the practice is somewhat different so it's not a, a japa mantra it's not like repeating the mantra as you walk around uh, your day it's right. more like meditate i'm trying to talk about your audience i know that you know yes it's just like sitting quietly and saying this uh, word in your mind mm-hmm. and every time you lose it you come back to it so yeah. um, for meditation it's not like uh you don't you, it's not like you know the mala beads you don't keep saying it as you walk around yeah. yeah 
and uh, when actually she did, I guess you would say that she did a blessing when she gave the mantra, like she gave you the mantra by putting the hands on your uh, head the third eye on the back and when she did that I could hear it like it was like this rumbling like a thunder and then I could hear the mantra and I remember I opened my eyes and I saw that I could hear it and she was surprised like she stepped back she was like whoa <laughs> and then I just started to, to so, so why was she, was she surprised because she could feel something or was she surprised that you knew the mantra that she wanted to give you? I think she told me the word and then she put her hands on me or when she put her hands on me. I heard it in my head. Mm. Right. Uh, and, uh, yeah. Mm. So there was, I, I guess you could call it, there was a Shakti part and I was open to that. Mm-hmm. Right, a Shakti part is a transmission of energy that a teacher would do it, mm-hmm. and it could be beneficial if you are open to it. Um, and then I started to meditate, like from like right, like 20 years of now hearing anything about this. I started to meditate, like I remember the same, like you know, she told us, the teacher, the yoga teacher told us. Well, it would be good if you meditate every day, you know, it's, it's the best would be to meditate twice a day for 20 minutes in the morning and in the evening. If you could do it every 12 hours, it creates like more like a, a habitual effect in your nervous system. And, um, you know, it's good to see cross-legged and it's good to relax and you just do it like this. And if you need, you rest at the end. And so I started doing that and I got really into it. Like I could tell that I was doing something to my unconscious, like, right? Like at this point, I was a psychology student reading all those texts, you know, reading Freud and Jung and, trans, uh, you know, um, um, trans um, uh, psychology. So the psychology that it's focused more on like, uh, developing the psyche, right? right? Like growth psychology more than like medical psychology. Mm-hmm. Um, and I could tell that like something was happening. Like I was feeling really happy. I was feeling really peaceful. And I think around this time, I started to get a number of friends asked me to teach them like yoga or to teach them meditation. And every time I, I said, no, like I, I can't, like I didn't say anything. I just like let it go. Like, but in, you know, inside us, like I'm not, I don't know what I'm doing. Like I cannot teach you. Like I don't know, like I'm learning. Like I, it's not something I could teach. Yeah. So, so more and more, it felt like 20 minutes wasn't enough time. 20 minutes were going like in a blink. So I started meditating an hour, an hour and then two hours. And then I remember by that summer that... For you, it was forced. You were just sitting there in meditation. I would just sit in meditation. I remember by summer, I would still work in the morning and I would come in the afternoon and just sit for like four hours at a time. Four hours. Four hours. And 
<laughs> I know, like people think that, oh my God, like you are so special, but it's not that. It's actually like when you really let the meditation connect, you know, when you let it work, it really feels like 20 minutes, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, it seems like, you know, unbelievable, but like, it's not. It feels like 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. I could tell that definitely like there was a lot of tension that was dissipating that, you know, my unconscious level was, was happier. Like I could tell that like something was deeply changing. Mm-hmm. And in the same time, I didn't know where to go further. So like I would just do this, you know, on and on. So anyway, um, so it went like this for two years, right? I kept going to the course. And then in the third year, there started to be some demand from, from the people managing those yoga courses to, for me to teach. And I didn't feel competent to teach. Right. And it's complicated, but basically I... I was supposed to go to like a different yoga group than the group that I was, you know, going to. Mm. There were a lot of other things going on and I started to get really uncomfortable. Mm. There were were a lot of changes that you weren't comfortable with. Yeah, like it just, something wasn't quite right. And again, I think that's a lesson for all of us. Like when you feel Mm. that something is not quite right, listen to it. And um, I was really confused. Like it got to a point where it became kind of clear that, okay, I could do like a third year of yoga with them. And then either I start to be involved more and teach or I'm going to be kicked out. And I remember like just praying, like I, I got like really, you know, stressed out. So yeah. I would just pray and pray like crazy, like pray. and. I could tell even like in childhood, like when I had problems, like the way I was dealing with them, it just like I would start praying. Like I knew a couple of prayers and then I would just like pray and pray and pray and pray, like just to not yeah. end. Like I could do hours. Like it just praying to somebody. Did you have did you have a clear situation? Yeah, it was kind of like Jesus, because that was like the figure. And I did feel connection, but just like, I felt like I just need to pray, like, please help me, please help me, show me the way, like, what should I do? Mm -hmm. And then actually, it's really curious, like a number of people came to talk with me, you know, about this and that, and like all the signs pointed out, like, I'm supposed to leave this group, right? Like, I have a really good experience, I'm learning a lot. However, all the signs are pointing that I'm supposed to leave the group. But right. of course, I'm stubborn, right? Like all of us, <laughs> at least me, maybe just me. I'm really stubborn. <laughs> I'm not going to listen to like advice or intuitions or anything. I'm just going to stay with the group. With it, yeah. So the most curious things happens, like it's the end of the third year and I'm going to this other course and I get there uh, at the door, the student steps in front of me and says, you're not part of this group, you should leave. And I'm like, no, 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 I come to this course. Like I used to go to this other course and they told me that I have not to take this, you know, come to this one. And so I'm part of this, I come every week. Like, I don't know what you're talking about. 
he's like, no, you cannot come in. Like, you have to leave. Oh, okay. Like, really weird stuff. So he did this three times. And when he did three times, I don't know, I guess even like a six call <laughs> got the message that I'm supposed <laughs> to So I turned around and I laughed. It was really weird. And then, you know, I get to the to the bus station and this guy actually comes running behind me and says, no, 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 there was a mistake. Like, you know, I talk with so-and-so and he told me that you, you are part of this course, you should come back. And I said, no, no, you are not coming back. And he stayed with me that until the bus came and I would not go back. Like, it was like, Finally, I like it like the penny drop that you know I you pray for signs to see like if you're supposed to stay or go. And like, you know, like you were told, like he told you in your face three times that you are not even gonna get in the hall, like yoga, you know, studio. Get out of here. So and that's something also interesting. Yeah, I could tell you, like in Tibetan yoga, they say that. When there are three signs, you should pay attention. Uh, like, okay. it's, like it's a message, you know? Like when three people tell you, you're supposed to talk with this person or you're supposed to see this person or, you, you know, this place is great, but three different things show you that. Like you're supposed That's a clear to- message then. It's interesting. That's how it works out. So yeah. then I kept actually doing meditation, but I had no group and I had no teacher and I kept it out for many years, right? Eventually I came to United States to study psychology. I just you there for a minute, Blanche. So, so, you know, when Gabriella was teaching you all of this, did you ever go back and feed back to her that you're experiencing the subtle body or the diamonds getting clearer or, you know, you're just having these samadhi experiences? Of course, you didn't have... You didn't know it is samadhi, but you know, were, were you were you saying to her that you're getting all these experiences? No, I would I would answer questions, but I would not share. I remember that precisely, hmm. uh, and I had no explanation until the same actually the latest years. Um, you know, there is like in many traditions, there is the advice not to share your experiences. Mm. Yes, yes, and and. Um, it's true because sharing experiences could be very destabilizing. Mm. When you share experiences, something shifts and that could be very disturbing in some ways. I mean, in in the sense that like you are at somewhere, you know, like this is your practice and suddenly that energy is not stable anymore and you have to like, you have, Things have to be worked out. So I think before you get to a more stable level, it's better not to talk about. Mm. But but yeah. but you also had the sense of so you weren't worried about this, and and so therefore you didn't no. need to go and say to her, "Oh, I'm getting this. Should I be worried?" Uh, you were no. quite happy with, yeah. No, I wasn't even. I don't even know if I was happy. I was more like, "Whoa, mm. what is this? Like, mm. this is for real." Like I read about those things. I, you know, I thought, okay, like it happens to, I don't know, monks living in caves in Himalaya, you know, or like if you are a dedicated student, like Mircea Eliade, mm-hmm. go 
you know, abandon basically your studies and your family and your work and you go to study in ashram in India, maybe you are going to get some. You, you had the sense of this happens. No, this. I had a sense like I'm just like a super ordinary person. It's yeah. just like this is something that I'm really interested. I'm going to put time mm. into it because like and mm. something is happening and it's more like, you know, like how should I put like um if you watch a movie, you know, like you're like, well, oh, I'm gonna watch it. Like yeah. I do oh, yeah. other things, but okay, you that I put some. What happens yeah. next? Yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah like yeah. it's like something is happening all the time. Yeah, but, yeah. But yeah. also, you know, at the same time, like I, I don't want to create the impression that like, I'm sitting every day. I'm having some like unbelievable no. experience. It's more like no. uh, you sit hundreds of hours, and pretty much is like kind of pleasant, and you know, okay, it's good and go on with your life and then every now and then that is like a little something that you kind of pick up it's like oh I guess like I'm not just this body there is actually a lot more like this and it's like a whole universe and it's like mm-hmm. a whole inner landscape that you could mm-hmm. like explore and where is this going what is this and how come that like if I do cobra like I could feel my heart opening mm-hmm. right and how come that uh, I don't know um, if you do forward fault, like you feel so healed and nourished, you know, and like that kind of things. So mm. it's just mm. like very, I, you it was know. all learning for you on all sorts of levels. Yeah, but I, I, I really, I didn't think that like it's me. I thought more like the practice was work. That's right. What I, the practice was work. And if they are practiced, you learn some things from them. Like mm. it's a discovery. Like, you know, yes. I didn't know where it's going. I didn't mm. think that anything would happen. I didn't think like, I just thought, okay, definitely this something is going on here. Mm. Definitely I had like very much like the idea that like I'm doing yoga. Like I didn't feel like I'm I'm a, a yoga or anything. Like I thought, oh, yoga, I'm interested in that. I, I am doing that. I'm doing yoga like. That's mm. what you mean. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. You, you knew you knew you were enjoying it, liking it, and, and that's for you. Yeah, I cannot even say it wasn't just like it felt like you know it's part of your life, right? Like yeah, like yes, you weren't you weren't enjoy you weren't doing it because you were enjoying it, but it was just part of part of it's your life. Part of you, and definitely there was joy there, and I think now bliss and a lot of peace. Like it came mm-hmm. with a lot of calmness. The same, mm-hmm. I would have people coming to me you know, and say, oh, like, I feel so calm when I'm with you. But so, like, people come in and say, I don't understand. I find this so irritating. Like, you are always so calm. <laughs> <laughs> yes, they don't like it that you're calm. That's <laughs> why I wasn't, like, I, I, half, like, I didn't even know what they're talking about. Like, it's like, what are you talking about? Like, I'm not doing anything. So yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So, so, so moving on to you come to the US and then you're still then practicing. I came to the US and I did apply. So I came, I came um, to uh, to do um, a PhD in psychology, and um, I apply. Um, I applied to some programs and I got accepted in a program of transpersonal psychology. So we have had to do yoga and like those inner grow experiences but there was no financial support, so I couldn't do that. So um, I had a couple of offers that came with um, 
financial support so for i don't know what your audience is but um maybe i should explain that the magic of um american universities is that they allow students including foreign students to apply uh, mm-hmm. and based on their credentials such as grades and uh, publications and mm-hmm. their scores they are eligible to be accepted in the phd programs and they could get also financial aid a lot of time those programs come with uh, assistantship so that means that while you study for you know um your degree you also help professors teach different courses and you get paid for that so that makes it possible to pursue uh, mm-hmm. your studies no matter yeah. your yeah. Uh, financial situation mm-hmm. so um hmm? yeah yeah I'm, I'm glad you explained it yeah i'm glad you explained yeah, it. I, I don't know if people know like you know yeah. I, even, even i don't know yeah 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 and that's that's fantastic right um of course it's competitive but of course there is a uh, possibility so that's that's interesting mm-hmm. so so yeah so i i ended up uh, at Syracuse university in um in a phd program there and um i still doing yoga i wake up in the morning do some yoga do my meditation mm-hmm. go to school come back mm-hmm. um yeah um i remember also that actually in those years so there were four years almost four years there were hmm, more like three years right after i split with a yoga group in um, bucharest um i started actually doing also the meditation of the heart so right. in the christian tradition there is this other path you know the orthodox uh, tradition has this path it's also i think very much like a mantra meditation mm-hmm. where um, you use a word or a phrase so the classical phrase is jesus christ have mercy of me right, right. Yeah. it could be shorter it could be just jesus jesus or it could be a little longer and um, and definitely like i have a lot of like heart opening and like yeah. you know, that became a sound and again like going in a way like through the same stages with a different flavor but going through the same stages that we get from the mantra meditation mm-hmm. you know so that was also very interesting so i remember at syracuse i would i started doing that so the same like again i don't really have an external teacher i started doing that like even walking i remember like you know it'd be really tired like working you know 10 12 hours i had no other you know mm-hmm. nothing else going on and i would i would do the meditation of the heart the prayer of the heart and it was working like i cannot say that like you know i got to like further stages like you know you hear about but that was interesting and um And yeah, and eventually I met my husband um, um, again. I kept practicing, right? Like all the constant through all those years is that I kept practicing. I kept doing asanas. Mm-hmm. I kept uh, mm-hmm. two hours a day. But maybe I'm doing like short, short meditations, you know, 10 minutes, 20 minutes. 
you know, like, but I cannot keep with it. I keep with it. Regular mm-hmm. habit was always there. It was always, you were always. Um, yeah, practical. but you make a choice, right? Sorry, you broke up, Blanche, didn't, didn't understand what you said. Yeah, you, you, we all make a choice, right? Mm-hmm. Life could get really busy. Yeah. Um, and, um, yeah, like, but it wasn't like I wasn't doing it anymore. Like, the four-hour meditation wasn't like the daily. and i i would go to some yoga classes um you know but yeah i would i it's very busy it's very busy to to do all those things to go to school and you know take care of all the things and yeah and life just got even more busy i met my husband um uh, we got married um, we have uh, two two daughters, uh, pretty close together. Mm. And then, um, like, pretty much, it became like you know meditation just in like little little drops, right? Mm. But I remember like still doing doing asanas to to pregnancies, um, you know, meditation and. Mm. And, um, anyway. You're just fitting it with the time that you have. Yeah, it just you know, you kind of try to survive it. So definitely, it's now it's kind of it's kind of like on a on a second layer, right? Like I I find like like life is like chapters in a book. So like you know, I had this chapter and I did all this, and then this other chapter opens up, and now it's the family with the children. You have to take care of the children, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a different story but I remember like when the kids are you know where so we have two daughters they have both spiritual names just like you and everyone um I remember that we ha- I mean we still have we had like decks of cards like mm-hmm. yoga mm-hmm. cards and like we were flip cards and do asanas together you know right Okay. And like I remember taking them actually to asana classes. You know, okay. I remember like when I had only one daughter, we go to this Saturday morning yoga class, and uh, she would eat uh, cherries, you know, in the back of the class, and she had her own mat, and she would do some asanas, and then she would take a break and look in a book, and then maybe do another asana. You know, so like <laughs> so the children grew up in the yogic family. Yeah. Yeah. But also, like, you know, having, like, open-minded yoga teachers that are not bothered if, you know, somebody in the back <laughs> brings a small yeah. child who might not practice the whole class. But So I'm, I'm very grateful uh, to, to all those yoga teachers who make it possible. And definitely yoga is part of the, you know, my daughter's life. Mm-hmm. So when they got to go to school and suddenly like there was a little more predictability in the <laughs> yes, in there's my more to your day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in my day. I started waking up again really early. So um I would wake up, I don't know, by five o'clock. And I I discovered that there was a yoga class on TV, you know, uh, from five I- to six. Yeah, wow. there was this wow. channel. In the meantime, we gave up on, on cable, like many people do here in US. I don't know if you have cable. Uh, we, yes. have, we have internet. We have internet, so everything is on internet, you know. Yeah. Apple TV, Netflix, all the things, I don't yeah. know. It's going we, that way. Well, yes. 
So YouTube, like we don't have cable anymore, but there was a channel called Oxygen and they had a yoga class from five to six. So we wake up at five and start uh-huh. yoga classes regularly. And uh, then I would meditate and then I would wake up the children. And, um, and I remember that at some point, like I discovered that like, it felt like I'm never asleep. Like I'm never asleep. Like I'm awake. Like I go to bed, like my body falls asleep, but I'm completely awake all night through. And, um, you know, what's going on. And I, you know, of course you make friends with people who have the same habits. So I, I went to a retreat with my friend Clark a retreat uh, close to Kripalu, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Massachusetts and um, Kripalu is a big retreat center in the US. So mm-hmm. people would know. And um, my, my friend uh, practices in a different tradition, but they are very open-minded. So right. they, they, they say, you know, if you practice whatever form of meditation, you are still welcome to our group. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I had, you know, some really deep experiences with her group, actually. But uh, the point is, at the end of the retreat, us, you know, people were ready to leave. I finally pulled the courage that, to talk with the teacher. Right. And, and I'm almost in tears. I'm like, I don't know what's going on, but I'm never asleep. Like, I'm all the time awake. I don't know what to do. And he looks at me and says, well, you should, you know, go to Chicago to see my teacher and talk with him. Like, I cannot help you. He couldn't help you. Hmm? He couldn't help you. But the teacher couldn't help you. Yeah. Yeah. And and I'm thinking, this is not realistic. I mean, I have two small children at home. Right? Like, you know, like you cannot count on when you're going to take the next shower. How am I going to? You know, yeah. you can't just leave your parents go to Chicago. I mean, after like I don't know, after it was probably this was like after 14 years from my last retreat. Finally, I find a Saturday to go to like a one-day retreat, you mm. know, and that's like a big deal because my husband can take care of the kids on a Saturday. Yes. How am I gonna go to Chicago? Like Chicago is really far for me. <laughs> so <laughs> so just just to get an idea, Blanche, because uh, you know the audience is maybe in, in other countries. From where you are, how long does it take if you decided to go to Chicago? Well, if I if I want to drive, probably I don't know, twenty two hours. <laughs> you could fly. I mean, of course you could fly, but that yeah. mean a couple of days. I mean, we have you know at that point we had small children. Uh, no, no, my just to give people an idea. To how far it was, it was just impossible. Yeah. Yes, exactly. So, like, this is not an easy trip. Uh, no, you know, something that you could do, like, you know, a Saturday afternoon, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, and it just didn't seem realistic. Like, it just seemed anyway. So, but the point is, because I couldn't, I didn't have any any other way, and I think that's also a lesson for me that you know, when you don't see any other way, you just follow the path that's in front of you. Hmm. 
So no other way. I couldn't sleep. So then the the maybe thing to do was to just relax. And then I noticed that, you know, if you relax, your body sleeps, deeper layers sleep, and there is still some awareness that's there all the time. Like you cannot get it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the light is on. Right. So so you <laughs> two things that the light will always stay on. And and the second thing was that at least your body you learned to relax and, and know that this is it. And that yeah. it's okay. It's okay. So even if this happened, and obviously, so I think it was opening, it is opening. I think it's also like some discomfort because like you learn a new way, right? Mm-hmm. It's a little bit like we are asana. If you learn a new pose or a new way to breathe. Yeah or a new meditation, there is some discomfort, something is happening. But mm. in the same time, if you relax into it, that's quite okay. Yes. Right? Yeah. yeah. And so then- There are Buddhist saying, or somebody has said, be like water. Uh, and, and that's exactly it, isn't it? So just, just let be and, and there'll be a path. So, yeah, so I think, yeah, it's as you, you could be like, writing on the sound mm. you could be like writing on the water mm. or oh no you could be like writing on the stone first you could okay. be like writing on the sound you could be like writing on the water or you could be like writing on the air uh, okay all, yeah. all the el- not even all the elements but how subtle it gets is it yeah also like it's it's like you what we are is more like a process right like like blanche is a process that happens but there is nothing before and nothing after nothing is left behind when you write in the air right i write in the air i make a circle this is it's gone Mm. but when i do it you almost see it Mm. you know yeah we are stuck I think the last there is a touch from a very very gross level to a finer 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 level yeah and I think it has to do with attachment like in Patanjali he talks about the fact that the spiritual path has two parts the practice and the non-attachment you know Mm. non-attachment has to do with likes and dislikes the sense of I am not you know, and then it depends on how how much we are willing to let go of mm-hmm. those judgments, the more mm-hmm. we could just function without actually having, you know, um, a reaction that leaves imprints, you yes. know. Yeah, yeah. We could but, keep going. Anyway, so at this point, at this point, I'm kind of used, starting to get used to this. Um, and then my out of the blue, a friend calls me and tells me about the AYP website. Yeah. You okay. Know? So my my old friend from college, uh, who you know um, would would also join uh, this yoga course. She was, but you know, coming to this yoga course, she also learned mantra meditation all that. Right. Uh, came to uh, yeah. I mean, came. She called me out of the blue and. We talk, and of course, we ended up talking about yoga, and she's very dedicated (laughs) to the practice. And and she told me, oh, you know, and I found this website, and I think it's really authentic. 
Mm. So, of course, I started to look at the lessons. I would read, like, I'm really busy, like everybody else, right? <laughs> I still have, like, the children, the family, the work. And I'm reading, you know, a lesson or two every morning. Right. When I wake up. And soon enough, I, I decide, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start with this mantra. Because this other mantra, like, I don't know, it's not, I'm not going further. I feel like, I mean, still things maybe are happening, but I don't really have. Um, There's no guidance. Path. There's no guidance. I don't have a clear way to progress with it. And this feels like a really clear map. Mm-hmm. AYP, so mm-hmm. advanced yoga practices. So I started like from the beginning, you know, like yeah, take the first mantra and practice. The mantra refines, and you know, in some months, this refined pretty well. And you know, so I just started going to the practices, and actually, I would say that AYP really turned the light on for me. I remember when I got to Yoni Mudra Kumbaka, like it really felt like a light just flipped on and then mm. it was turned on mm. and all that inner landscape that was all the time in the dark suddenly is in the light mm. so the light was way blanche this became brighter now <laughs> i became light yes. yes and then things started to happen at a faster pace um yeah i, I don't know you know but the all i would say the all to to keep in mind is I keep practicing now mm. back to that meditation, daily meditation, going mm. to yoga classes. Yeah. Um, you know, just I I on there was that regular yeah, practice all the time. Like I, I make an account on AYP, I think after a year of practices. Um then I like instantly forget my name and my password. So <laughs> I make a second account. Okay. was Diana something, right? My my name um, from the English class, and um, I instantly forget my name and my password. Oh, okay. So, <laughs> so after like I don't know about another year, I decide okay, I'm gonna make another account so maybe I could like post something in the forum. Right, and this time I decided to use my real name in the hope that this time maybe I will remember it. Great, <laughs> and see, this is another three times again. Yeah, amazing. Yeah, yeah. So, and so Blanche, in, uh, you know, you, I get the sense that you know you were practicing and opening and becoming more and more open to all of this, and that doesn't, of course, not. Not everybody is practicing for like four hours of meditation, etc. But do you get the feel that uh, you have been doing this in maybe past lives? And, uh, you know, do you get that feeling? Do you have that inner sort of instinct that uh, and, and maybe even sort of more clearer uh, instinct as to, you know, what those past lives may have been? Um, do do feel, feel free to share if uh, you have that instinct. I mean, I, I think... There is a reason not to remember past lives because mm. it's like extra luggage. So it's a little bit like if you go in meditation and I remember, you know, uh, yeah. I don't know, all my last five years of that and like all the people I talk with and this happened and that That's has it. to be done. And 
Yeah, and then if, if you remember, <laughs> the infinite number of lifetimes. <laughs> In the same time, it could be helpful. Like I did have moments, uh, you know, that I think it's it's helpful to remember some things, you know, um, or to learn some things, right? So, so like if you ask, especially I think at the end of meditation, we tend to be very clear. So if it's helpful and if you have a question like, why is this happening to me? Is this a person that I know? Or like, am I, you know, do we have a connection or whatever? Yeah. Like things could explain things, you know. Like yeah. I remember, I remember seeing the the gates, you know, on the um um on the river in Bengali, like I, I've seen some documentary many years ago on TV, and like I knew exactly what it is. Like I knew how the place is, I recognized yeah. the town, I knew the name, like I knew, you know, yes. Yes. like it's it just clarity, and I think we all have it, but like, yeah. It and there was no reason to know it in this life, but you knew that you knew it from well, somewhere. I'm not going there. Um, it's interesting. Yeah. I think that's a reason. Like a couple of times I almost went to India and then every time something came up and I couldn't mm. go. And mm. who knows, like, I'm supposed to be here. I don't know. Yeah. Um, but then like the way I teach yoga, I mean, I know we did yoga together. Like I tend to like talk a lot about chakras and channels and sensations and see mm. this and visualize that. And, and I, I, over the years, you know, I got people who really enjoy that kind of practice. And I also got commentary of like, you don't need to complicate it so much. You know, why do you teach like this? What is mm. this? And you know, in the last years, I uh, discovered actually what I'm teaching is Vajra Yoga. I'm teaching Tibetan Yoga. Is what What is the form of yoga? Vajra Yoga. Vajra Yoga. So it's Tibetan Yoga, Diamond Yoga. Right, right. So, yeah. uh, that's what I'm teaching. What can I tell you? Like, where is that coming from? That's my experience. I, <laughs> So yeah, again, and there were other things. And actually, your question is related to 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 shorten because it could go on and on. Uh, how I ended up teaching yoga. So I, at this point, I'm still saying, you know, when people ask me, like, would you meditate? You know, teach me meditation. I would just go quiet. I'd be like, oh, I'm not sure. Right. But um, you know, in part, is Yogani advising that if you know something, you could share. Hmm. But it was very clear, like. Somebody came to me and asked me about yoga. And um, and there was, I could tell that there was something curious. Like I, I the same, I didn't say anything. I, never, I, I would say that I didn't say no ever, but I never said yes. Hmm. But then I remember clearly that like after that in meditation, in meditation, like this memory came to me that you know in a past life i told this person that you know i'm gonna come we parted not in good terms from from you know from the, the other side yeah and i i still said you know that next life i'm gonna i'm gonna come to you and i'm gonna give you instructions for meditation uh-huh. okay and yeah and actually it's interesting because he he approached me and talked with me. And of course, I brought the discussion on yoga. 
and meditation mm-hmm. and I had the the you know AYP little book on meditation it's and I just right. gave it to him you know right so yeah. it's really interesting like I gave a lot of books away but that was like a really think and that was a turning point because I I did have like this very aware moment when it was like if you know if you say yes to someone you you have to say yes over and over again you know mm-hmm. like and then soon after that a friend asked me you know oh, you know, why don't you teach a yoga class? And I said, well, I don't have a place. And she said, but we have this big hall. And I ended up teaching a community class. And as I started teaching that class, I thought, well, I better take a yoga teacher training, right? Like, if you do it, you should know what you're doing. Do the best you can do. Yeah, of course. Yeah. yeah. I took a yoga teacher training and, and... from that, I ended up talking with Tristan and he was working to put together that mm-hmm. yoga teacher training course, the first one where yeah. we met. Yes. And um, yeah, and then I would say to bring it to a closing in the last year, so like even this pandemic had an um, impact right on the course of things because uh, um, I decided to take um, an online course, you know, Mm -hmm. through Manla. We did some retreats, uh, AYP retreats at Manla. The the retreat of the Tibet house in U.S. is, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, beautiful area in the mountains, in the Catskills, about three hours away. Um, But they offer, um, you know, in uh, 2019, um, online retreat so I signed up for it and I met this yoga teacher Michelle Lowe. and um, she's a very authentic teacher in a long Ashtanga tradition mm-hmm. um, and she started teaching a first course in Vadra Yoga 300 hours teacher training in Vadra Yoga mm-hmm. with Robert Thurman I don't know if you know Robert yes. Sarves. Yes, the, the Tibetan Buddhist teacher. Just for the audience, um, uh, extra knowledge, uh, is, isn't he Uma Thurman's dad? Yes. Uma Thurman's dad. It's also a close um, friend, personal friend, and it's a student of the Dalai Lama. Mm-hmm. Um, Yes, yes I, you know, I consider them part of my lineage. Um, so I took mm-hmm. this 300 hour teacher training also. Uh, and yeah, I'm still learning, like I'm still yes. reading, I'm still yes. <laughs> definitely coming home. Like it feels, it feels very familiar, like a lot of things kind of fall in place, like mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. A lot of things. I mean, so this that part with this falling in place conversation. I remember when you and me were talking. You also said that you had the you had this feel that uh, that this was the family that you were meant to have, and you, you yeah. know, tell. I, it's difficult to say, but if you can put the, put it into words, uh, even a couple of lines, that would be great. Well, yeah, I came for a, a very good reason in that family. My mom, um, yeah. My mom wanted 
kids. I mean, my parents wanted kids and they were older and they are having trouble. And, you know, there was a lot of praying, um, you know, um, yeah, um, a visit to a special monastery. And, you know, anyway, um, it's hard to prove those things, but yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I could see it uh, where I got there. And then in this family, you know, uh, things come together from desires. And there was a desire in a previous life to have, when I couldn't have a family, there was a desire for this family. So this mm-hmm. uh, comes. So, so you have that clear understanding that in the past, oh, yeah. had a oh, desire yeah. for a family, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, with details, um, yeah, yeah, um, amazing, and, yeah, like the flavor and like the habits that you have in a family, you know, and everybody else, so how they fall in place, um, mm-hmm. uh, it's really so. It's true, as long you know the desires create the uh, seeds mm-hmm. for lives. Yes, uh, and uh, in every life, like you take like a like a handful of seeds and you start it and this starts this life and you cannot stop those seeds until they come to a completion. Mm. But, um, but in Samadhi, in deep Samadhi, we burn the seeds, the unsprouted seeds of future lives. Mm. So we all carry those deep imprints, right? Some scars. Mm. And as even those deep imprints that might be like really faint, right? Even those start to clear off. Mm. But sometimes I, it, it is my experience that we come in life like with a plan, everything is benefiting us. Mm. And when we come, you know, at the beginning of the life, like we kind of have like a review and we agree with this life, mm. you know? Even when challenging things happen, they happen for a beneficial reason. And we were actually okay with them in this life. Like, you know, we were given a choice, maybe not all the choices, but we had like a number of choices. And we are like, yeah, I'm fine with that. So it's good to take responsibility and work with what we have. Like it's it's happening for a reason. It's not random. Like nothing is random, really. Yeah. That's so insightful, Blanche. That's really, uh, I mean, we could we could go on and I still want to go on because we've, we've come quite a bit in time, but I, I would still like to ask you two or three questions before we finish. But, uh, you know, one of the questions was when we were talking, you were talking about how meditation sort of progresses. And for somebody who's just doing, um, just, you know, sitting there for 20 minutes struggling, and, and to sort of how it clears up and, and the stages of meditation, it would be nice if you could, uh, in your experience, how that meditation changed, you know, and, and what is it that you were, uh, I don't even know if feeling is the word and what is samadhi like and, you know, is it, is it can you describe it? And when, when does samadhi, uh, there's so many questions, but uh, yes, let's, let's just begin with the stages of meditation. I would say that meditation, first of all, like we, we just have to, it's more beneficial to, fro- to focus on the practice than to try to attain some state or some unbelievable experience, mm-hmm. right? Because in the end, it's more, it's that light that shines through 
when we are willing to become transparent. Or um, actually, the the third patriarchs of uh, of Zen said something like, um, "Enlightenment happens when we are willing to be perfectly okay with um, imperfection or non-perfection." <laughs> You're happy with daily. Yeah, just be okay with what it is. Like it is what it is. So I'm gonna sit in meditation. Really, like I've seen meditation more like it's like a vacation, you know. Like you go, you sit there. When my kids were little, I would say, "Oh, I, mommy goes to sit," and my kids thought that I really just go to sit on a pillow, you know. Like when they get time out, they go to sit, and here is mommy getting some time out. She goes to sit. <laughs> Time out is not bad. It's like you get a break, you know, you calm down. Yes. So they were actually very good about, you know, yeah. So you just yes. sit like no, nothing. It's a vacation. You don't, you cannot make phone calls. You don't have to plan tonight's meal. You don't have to argue with your boss. You could just like take a break. Yes. <laughs> vacation. Yeah. Yes, it's a vacation. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like as you relax, it's kind of like when you go to sleep, like you're really relaxed and you feel like you melt and you feel very pleasant. And it's okay to feel pleasant, like you're supposed to actually, your body feels pleasant. And then you might feel like a really exciting kind of pleasant, like a really intense kind of pleasant. And unpleasantness kind of settles down and becomes more like happiness and then becomes like really contentment. Like you are okay. You don't want anything. You sit like that forever. It's very pleasant. Mm. And from there, it keeps going. And I would say every time, right, like we lose the mantra in that space between losing the mantra and coming back to it, we actually go in samadhi. Like we really touch that deep samadhi. Mm-hmm. and the more we do it the more obvious it becomes so like at the beginning it feels like i'm just sitting here oh i forgot my mantra yeah. i'm not thinking oh actually i went to somebody how great is that mm-hmm. but as you do like you notice oh i'm back and now i feel so happy like i feel so calm mm-hmm. like what happened so yes. it's, yeah. it's right there and eventually stabilizes more. Like you start to realize that in a way, like even now you are in Samadhi, like it's there all the time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, last couple of questions, Blanche, because we've uh, chatted away with... Uh, you could, could carry it shorter. <laughs> I don't yeah. mind. Yeah, yeah. No, no, that's... There's no need for that. It was all... What you said was really interesting. So, you know. Uh, it it was meant to be a conversation anyway, so that's that's great. Whatever you said is great, but but the very last um, thing before um, I know I know you've got a little present for us at the very end, but before we do that, the very very last question, and I said to you that it was very nice what you said about um, uh, you know seeing divinity through family. Um, you know, I, I know that um, when you want to meditate and the kids are little and you need to cook and there's phone calls and, you know, you just want to run away from it all. And you almost have a negative fam- uh, feeling about, you know, why are the kids pestering me? But, you know, how to how to sort of start seeing those 
children and your partner and your parents or whoever it is around you as a window to divinity. Um, and you had some beautiful words to say about that. So if you could give us that advice. Um, well, I think, I think everything is a chance to practice, right? If I say, well, um, I, I meditate, you know, I'm, I'm spiritual when I do my practices, but this other life, it interferes with, that's really not that much. Um, I could go on and on. That's, that's a really nice Zen story in which he says that like, you know, if you have even like a small disturbance in this, you know, spiritual state in your, you know, in your baseline state, that means that like there are still impurities that you need to work on. Mm -hmm. And this is just part, I think, serving others, you know, taking care of family and kids, um, caring for everybody else is just the best way to care for ourselves, right? Mm -hmm. Service, Sava, it's the highest practice. Mm -hmm. And in the same time, like, each and every one of us and everything is just a window open to divinity if we are willing to to be clear and to look through it. And uh, if we practice, we could see it with our own eyes. So uh, Beautiful. Really nice. Thank you. And to end uh, our session, <laughs> Blanche has a little, little surprise, little present for us. Um, so choose your pick, Blanche, and let's... Uh, Let's do the meditation then. Five minutes? A- any, whichever, whichever comes to your mind. Five minutes. I think probably we are gonna do a, a meta meditation. Okay. Um, so, so probably some of your audience are familiar with, and if they're not, this is a ge- great gift that we could um, dedicate to, to ourselves, to our audience and the world. Mm-hmm. And uh, right, let's do it for the benefit of all sentient beings. Mm-hmm. Um, so the loving kindness meditation has many forms, um, but um, we are just gonna do a um, a classic one. Mm-hmm. So we just sit quietly. With our, we could close our eyes if we are comfortable, or mm-hmm. we could keep them half open if that's better. Mm-hmm. Just bring the attention to the breath and notice that as we breathe through the nose, in and out, the breath starts to slow down. The mind slows down. And then we bring to mind somebody we love, maybe that a child or a spouse or a parent, a friend. And we make those wishes like a gift toward our loved one. So you could put it in your own words. The phrases I usually use are, may you, and put that name, may you 
Be happy and healthy. May you be safe. May you be peaceful and at ease. And then think about yourself. Like see yourself in your eyes, mind. And with the same open heart, make the same wishes to yourself. May I be happy and healthy. May I be safe. May I be peaceful and at ease. And then we'll think about someone who did something good to us, a benefactor, somebody who's helpful and kind to us. So just see it in your mind eyes and make them those wishes like a gift. May you put a name. May you, Sujata, be happy and healthy. May you be safe. May you be peaceful and at ease. And then we'll think about a, a person that we know, but it's not a close friend. Maybe he's a neighbor we know from walking on the street or the cashier at the store. Maybe you know their name. And if you don't know their name, just like see them in your mind's eyes and make them the same wishes. May you be happy and healthy. May you be safe. May you be peaceful and at ease. And then let's think about someone we have a difficult relationship with, maybe somebody at work or in the family. And think about their name and make them the same wishes. I see them and make them those wishes. May you be happy and healthy. May you be safe. May you be peaceful and at ease. And then let's think about all the people everywhere in the world. They all have joys and struggles. And at this special time of the year, let's make them all a gift, including ourselves. May all sentient beings be happy and healthy. May we be safe. May we be peaceful and at ease. So we could make 
this meditation part of our practice. We could do it before like a shamatha, you know, one point like mantra meditation, or we could do it, you know, from time to time, especially when we have a difficult time, especially when meditation is really challenging. This meditation would be beneficial for us and people around us. You'll be surprised because we are all interwoven. Nothing is separate. So thank you for meditating today. Namaste. Namaste. Thank you so much, Blanche. That was beautiful. A really good ending. Merry Christmas. Yeah, thank you. Merry Christmas. And Happy holidays, whatever tradition you are. Thank you very much, Blanche. For thank, you. thank you for your service. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumbo Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumbo Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You, too, could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner.